Another week, another episode, breaking down everything you need to know about the universes you love. Big news from all three brands today, so let's get right to it. Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm the Vengeance. And I am Iron Man. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 104 of the Direct Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Matt Rimke, attorney at law, which will be my name for the foreseeable future. Very excited about that. I'm joined, as always, by our box office correspondent, David Thompson. David, how are we doing? Doing great, Matt. Happy to be here today. A very fun, exciting show. Uh, The next one up in a series of, I'd say, shows very shortly coming to an end of no reviews, right? No like weekly Marvel Disney plus shows to review. And I'm excited about these. They focus on more news, deep dive, stuff like that. So very excited to be here today. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Like you mentioned, we have no less than a dozen different topics that we are going to be talking about today. Maybe even more if we get on a tangent or two and you know that's kind of the exciting side of this you know we got a little mailbag going on today which is very exciting something we haven't done in a very long time so i'm excited to get into it a little housekeeping before we do that next week it's already here the she hawk primer will be in next week's episode it's not going to be a full episode it'll be a segment within episode 105 so um any yeah. she hawk news she hawk updates or any questions people have sent in about she hawk um recently we're going to push all that to next week we're going to cover everything you need to know about uh the next disney plus series uh, next week because we're only two weeks away yeah from episode one and uh also next week to go along with she hawk we'll be doing some sort of cgi visual effects related feature i don't know what that is i almost want to say drafting like cgi moments but that could get real negative real quick i feel like um yeah <laughs> i don't know we'll, we'll see we'll see yeah we'll, we'll brainstorm a little bit very excited to uh, figure it out if you guys have any suggestions for a cgi related draft list or something along those lines please let us know we will do it next week david we got a lot to get to so let's get to it david explains why don't you explain this to me like i'm five Ladies and gentlemen, a brand new segment here on the Direct Podcast. David Explains, where uh, my co-host, box office correspondent David Thompson, is going to explain to me something about the business side of the universes you love. Because this is not the most publicized side of things, but it's arguably the most important. So it's very exciting to find out. David, today you will be explaining Alan Horn joining Warner Brothers Discovery as a senior advisor reported by the rap horn yep. will be joining uh Warner Brothers Discovery in a senior advisory role. So David, my first question here at David explains who the hell is Alan Horn? Great question, Matt. Um, Alan Horn, I think is a huge name in the industry. He is someone that we should all know as I would say specifically like MCU fans or, or Disney fans, because Alan Horn, for many years, for the last, nearly the last 10 years, he's been retired for the last year or so. Um, But from 2012 to 2021, he worked for Disney. He was a co-chairman, chairman, um, and a few other titles he had over there. I think chief creative officer. Um, So, so, 
you know who the chief creator officer is now? Uh, Mr. Kevin Feige. At, at, yes, at, at Marvel specifically. But yeah, he is. He was one of those guys where Alan Horn is basically a Hollywood businessman, very high up official. Let's let's put it that way. Like one of the highest, like just below CEO. And he, in many ways, kind of overlooks projects and strategies for movie studios. What's ironic about this move, and we'll talk about it more in a second once I get past that, who Alan Horn is. Alan Horn worked for WB from 99 to 2011. What happened basically was in 2011, he retires. Now, the rumor on the street is that he didn't really retire because he wanted to. He retired, quote unquote, because they wanted to go with more young, fresh blood, I guess, at WB, right? That clearly has worked out for them the last decade. Um, when Alan Horn <laughs> then, Bob Iger of Disney, said, oh, Alan Horn is now available. Um, he he left WB. He retired, quote unquote. Let me scoop him up over at Disney, where he served at Disney for a decade, which was mainly, you know, from specifically 2012 to 2021. Hmm. Served as somewhat of the awakening of the comic book movie, Marvel Studios, Pixar, Disney Animation overseeing a lot of this and now after actually retiring seemingly on his for his own benefit on his own will he retired last year in 2021 from disney and after some you know i think conversation probably some discussion and uh, i would say negotiation probably of what his role is going to be he has now joined the new warner bros discovery under david zaslav who is coming in from discovery to you know control all of wbd as you could refer to it now well that's that's pretty exciting stuff hell of a track record for old alan horn over there in the hollywood and you know it's with all business across uh, america and i assume the world you know old heads you know tend to get jobs that you know young up-and-coming talent don't get and oftentimes that leads to let's just keep doing the same thing over and over and over Mm-hmm. Um, but Alan Horn being a part of Disney from 2012, 2019, 2021, you said, yeah, pretty good years over there at yeah. the House of Mouse. Uh, Unbelievably good Horn. years. I mean, Disney in the 2010s, let's not let's not really sugarcoat it. Like Disney in the 2010s is the pinnacle of money making filmmaking, like just in general, the box office between Disney Animation, Marvel Studios, everything, Pixar. They made more money in that decade than anyone else in the history of Hollywood. And part of that is because of Alan Horn. Like, that's his track record in, in recent memory. And that's an exciting thing. So adding Alan Horn as a senior advisor, that's, you know, that's a unique role. And somebody you bring somebody like Horn in, uh, something you bring uh, somebody like Horn in to do. Mm-hmm. So what does the executive team at WB Discovery look like now? You know, we got Horn, we got Salader. Who, you know, who else is really pulling the string? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and one thing about Alan Horn that I didn't mention in the opening is that this man is 79 years old, I believe. Um, like when wow. he retired this latest time, he was retiring. Now, David Zaslav, he's kind of taken over w- WB, right? He comes in from the Discovery background, which is mainly non-scripted content, which, you know, makes takes no money to make. And is a great revenue driver because, you know, it doesn't make cost any money, but a lot ton of people watch discovery shows, even if you don't even know it, right? Like Food Network and all this. Good now, TV. Yeah. So what's happening since, which is kind of going under the radar to probably many, specifically DC fans out there listening right now, 
is that there's this huge shift happening with Warner Bros. I mean, Warner Bros, who, who owns DC Films, they are now combining with Discovery. David Zaslav is now the CEO, and he has gone on the last about last year or so a kind of a journey. He's talked to Bob Iger. He's talked to Alan Horn, who he's now finally hired in an, advi- an advisory role about what to do. And really, to answer your question, he is trying to co- mimic or copy what Disney did the last 10 years when Alan Horn was there. That's why he's bringing him on. He wants to be like Disney, like the 2010s Disney, which is working in different verticals. So uh, in this case, a vertical means there's three film verticals. There's WB New Line, DC is one specifically, and then their animation section. Now, Alan Horn's role in all this is very like he gets a call. He gets asked an opinion. He gives it. He's not really in charge, it seems like, of anyone. (laughs) He's just there to be David Zaslav's like helper in, in a lot of ways. Like, hey, I don't know what to do. You know, let me go to my like advisory board basically and be like, what do you think? You know, because there's so much. For Zaslav, there is an unbelievable amount to manage here. Like these are two huge media companies forming this even more giant conglomerate, and he's at the top. So it makes sense he'd want someone as veteran as Alan Horn to help him throughout all this. And specifically, which is something that Zaslav has said multiple times, DC has been underused, and they want to build off of DC and create it into a Marvel-esque business which it currently is not so it's a very interesting move in my opinion for dc fans hoping that it'll finally become i hate to say it but mcu-esque which i feel like is a huge ask and maybe not happen for another decade but it's what they want to do it is their goal and it's one of those things where you're going to get that sector of people rightfully saying why does everything have to be just like the mcu why do they have to make the dcu um, exactly like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the answer is that they don't, but they're obviously trying to do so with their current projects. So this move speaks further to them trying to get more toward a slate and upcoming event film, crossovers, things like that. And uh, yeah. it's, it's something you see in sports all the time where you look at the moves being made behind the scenes to help dictate what kind of product they're trying to put out. You know, if a team, if a team signs, you know, two or three veteran running backs, they're probably not going to draft a running back. If a team right. brings in Alan Horn from Disney, they're probably going to try to bring something closer to Disney, which mm-hmm. is something that I think DC fans, you know, they might not want to admit it, you know, in a hipster kind of way, but um, everybody wants that. Everybody wants a cohesive universe full of these amazing characters that we all grew up with. And I would say personally, obviously the X-Men cartoon and the Spider-Man cartoon were enormous, but those characters weren't even a huge part of the MCU until 2016. Um, And even then X-Men haven't even been brought into the fold. Yeah. Uh, DC characters, I think have an even wider reach as far as nostalgia goes, obviously the comics, but you know, Justice League cartoon, Batman cartoon, uh, the animated series that is Batman Beyond was huge for people my age um, yep. and things like that. And Teen Titans is one of the biggest cartoons ever made, hands down. I've never gone to, um, we got this barber out here um, and they always have Cartoon Network running it. I've never gone in there and Teen Titans isn't on. That's yeah. a syndication show at this point. Yeah. So it's really exciting to uh, see the executive level start trying to really make some decisions. But 
How soon will we see those decisions, David? Our last question, how will this impact DC movies in the short and long-term future? We've seen some shakeups. We've seen some misguided uh, information coming from Black Adam as opposed to The Flash. How do you see Alan Horn's role impacting the DC slate short-term and long-term? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, short-term, I honestly don't see it making a big effect, specifically with Horn joining in. Like, I, I don't see him, like, in the short-term, there being anything crazy happening. However, right, this news came out last week, and all of a sudden today there's a rumor report coming out from the New York Post saying that Batgirl has been shelved, which is a movie they put in over $70 million of budget into. Apparently Michael Keaton's back in it. You would think, you know, it was going to be on... Uh, streaming, then maybe theaters, and now they're going to shelve it. Very interesting move. And long term, so when I said earlier they want to be like Marvel, it doesn't necessarily mean the feel of an MCU movie, right? We talk about the humor, kind of the action. There's a bit of a formula there in general, right? You can kind of like, you, you see it and you understand, oh, that is an MCU film. That's not what I mean. I don't mean they're going to, and I don't think that's what they mean, that they want to mimic the MCU in that sense. What they want, however, is business. These are businessmen, right? These aren't really these aren't creators. If you want to think of it that way, these are the businessmen that see from a very high up look. Oh, Disney has a formula where now, specifically in 2022, this show leads to that show, leads to that movie, leads to that movie, right? It all is a each one of their projects is marketing for the next next project in this crazy assembly line of content that they've laid out for us in multiple now six phases of the MCU. And does WB want that? Yes. They on the short answer is yes. They want each one of their projects to then make you want to go see the next one, make you want to go see the next one, make you want to hit plan HBO Max, make you want to do this, make you want to go spend 20 bucks at a theater. You know, that's what they want. How they're going to do that, I don't know. Because right now, it doesn't do that at all. We have a Batman franchise that is ever-growing within itself. You got a Penguin series, a Gotham PD series, probably a, a the Batman too. Matt Reeves owns that. Then we have Todd Phillips over with Joker. And we have those movies. Then we have whatever the DCEU is right now with Black Adam and Shazam and Aquaman. And it's currently a mess. But what they want to do, and who knows how long this takes, what they want to do is get into that rhythm that Marvel has where each one of their series on HBO Max or movies in theaters leads in some way to the next or at least makes you want to see the next one more. How they're going to do that, because they're jumping in like sports analogy. It's like it's like a substitute quarterback or, you know, like it, it's a sub. It's it's the bench warmer coming in and you, you're you already mid mid game. You're already down by, you know, three touchdowns to Marvel and you're supposed to now take over the team and beat them. You probably aren't going to win. But if you can at least get it within one score, right, if you can at yeah. least get it within seven and just be a little yeah. happier with yourselves and make a fight out of it. That's, I think, what WB wants in the short term and possibly even the long term because Disney and Marvel is so far ahead of the game with all this. Yeah. And I think that we need to look at um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm following along on our Slack channel right now. This is breaking as it happens that we are, we are, I think reporting this as Batgirl being shelved. I think yeah. we're reporting this as true. 
um, discussion film, put it out there. And we all know uh, discussing film is, you know, one of our favorites across the board. Grace Randolph also put it out there. So take that for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. Um, And all these different things. Um, Look for other fringe DC projects to kind of get the same treatment. I mean, I know Blue Beetle suit looks sick, but I mean, is that something you want to start the new era of DC movies with? That's going to be a question for Alan Horn and his team, because the thing is, in another sports analogy, it's like when a new general manager comes into a team and all of these players are on the roster that they didn't draft. You want to build a new culture with WB. You want to build a new system of creating content. You want to bring in your pieces. You want to bring in your directors, your actors. You want to pick which projects start which places because it so matters. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, much like a GM coming into a new team, look at some of those old regime projects to maybe get cut as it goes forward. Um, We will have more news on Batgirl next week, I assume, once things are a little more clear. Yeah, once the dust settles, and I would say the last final sports analogy here is I would say David Zaslav is kind of like the new head coach, and he wants his people, you know, like, oh, there's the old head coach, and he had his guys. I'm the new head coach, and I want all my guys. Still have the same players to move around with, right? Still have Superman and Batman and Aquaman, but I want my guys running the show, and that's when things are moving, right? That's when things are shaking and happening, and when Batgirl gets shelved, and when Suddenly, Superman is announced and Superman is put to the top of the priority list for WB because they have specifically, Zaslav has specifically said Superman has been underutilized the last decade or just how for however long. And no kidding, like he is possibly the most iconic superhero and he has one one movie in in the last nine years, right? Man of Steel is his only solo film. It's just crazy. Hot seat Henry Cavill, I'm going to say. You know what I mean? New executive team looking like a rebuilding culture over there at WB. I assume they're going to want to bring a different Superman in to kind of reset and retell that story. Not that Man of I'm just not about Man of Steel, but Man of Steel covers the origin of Superman in a lot of different angles, not just on Krypton, but also on Earth and all these different things. If they really want to reset this thing and start a new culture of franchise and universe building, they might want to bring in their own Superman. So Henry Cavill gets more on the hot seat to return as Clark Kent. We would love to have you as Hank McCoy, um, I believe, <laughs> over on the Red Brand. But yeah. ladies and gentlemen, that has been David Explains. I think it went well. I'm a huge fan I of hope you so. teaching me things. Yeah, man. Every time you every time you talk about the business side of stuff, I feel like I learned something, and that's no different today. If you guys have any business questions about the universes you love make sure to send them in david and we will find a way to uh, get it on a david explains segment even maybe even a special episode of david explains if we get enough reception david that has been the back end news let's get into the front end let's get into the screen the news of the universes you love starting with the galaxy far far away that's good news david now we go season is hot Hot, hot, hot. Because <laughs> the new full trailer for Andor has been released. And there's a lot to talk about within the trailer. And there's a lot we will talk about within the trailer. But the biggest news is nothing about the show at all. It's about the release date. Mm-hmm. Andor has been pushed back from August 31st to September 21st, roughly three weeks. Um, yeah. It was going to release the same week as episode three 
on Disney Plus. It will now be releasing the same week as She-Hulk episode six. David, your thoughts on the Andor delay into September 21st? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And here's why. I think back to like the business of it all. I don't understand why they were going to cannibalize on Disney Plus. I understand owning the day. I understand the hey on Wednesdays. We own the day. You can see She-Hulk and Andor. But were, were you really going to want to really have those overlap that close to each other? Andor is a 12 episode series. It starts with three episodes, as we just said, or as we're going to say. And I just don't feel as if this was a smart move to ever have them release two weeks apart. You know, we had She-Hulk, which is only, I believe, one episode right in the first week. So She-Hulk's yeah. going to be nine weeks long. You know, it's it's still going to touch a little 10 10 and, and so it's still going to overlap but why have it overlap so much when you don't need to when you can have Andor then run on beyond she-hulk and keep extending this because if the daily to me if the weekly release is a lot about keeping people talking about disney plus in one way or another right whatever show it is on disney plus at that time why not spread it out why have it so they're overlapping by that much a little bit i think is good but by that much seemed to look like significant to me. And I think that's the main reason why they made this move. I do not think it has to do with production. I think this show is almost practically in the can. You can, I think that's clear and apparent by this trailer. Yeah. And I think that the overlap, we saw it with Miss Marvel and Obi-Wan. And I'm not here to say who won, um, you know, the battle between those two, if you want to call it a battle, but people were burying Miss Marvel when it was announced that they were going to be released at the same time. There were people saying that Miss Marvel has no chance to stand out with something as big as Obi-Wan. And again, I'm not saying that anybody won, but Miss Marvel definitely held its own during a run with Obi-Wan. I will say, though, on that point, like it, it held its own. And I think it was a great show. I love Miss Marvel. It didn't get that. It got like some of the lowest viewers, apparently, according to some of the research okay. at Disney Plus so far. And okay. that could be a lesson so, yeah. learned, you know, because well, yeah. and Obi-Wan got some of the highest. You know what I mean? So I think here's the one thing too. think about on Disney Plus when you open up the app and there's that carousel at the top. Right. You know, there's a mm -hmm. you want whatever's most important to be up front. And all yeah. of a sudden that was Obi-Wan, not Miss Marvel. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of maybe some of this too, like working and Disney's figuring this out. It's still very young for a streaming service. They're still figuring out how they want to sure. do these things because they have so much content going down the pipeline. Um, they're still sorting it out and I'm, I'm cool with this. I'm excited for Andor, but I'm, I'm fine with this move. Yeah, I am as well. It also avoids house of dragon a little bit, which I think, um, is big, yeah. you know, house of dragon, she Hawk, and, um, and, or all going to be running at the same time at some point. So, um, Streaming content is going to be hot. It's going to be very exciting. Um, can't wait to talk about House of Dragon on here as well. Another piece of news outside of the actual trailer itself, David. Yeah. We're not just getting one episode on September 21st. We're not just getting two. A three-episode premiere on September 21st. That means that the 12th episode, the finale, 12-episode season, will be November 23rd. Andor is running in to the holidays and it will be um, a part of the final leg of this year in a very significant kind of way. Uh, we got your thoughts on the delay. Now, what are your thoughts on the three episode premiere? Yeah, uh, I'm very excited. That's three episodes. That is <laughs> that is significant. Um, that is going to mm -hmm. be a very wild day for 
a lot of content creators, their direct.com and this podcast, um, you know, because that same day, I believe there's still going to be a She-Hulk episode, if I'm not Absolutely. mistaken. <laughs> that's, there's going to be a lot of content to catch up on. I mean, three episodes is like a movie at that point. And I forget exactly. I think season one, correct me if I'm wrong. Season one is the because they already talked. Remember, they broke down the right. seasons for Andor. Season one, I believe, is just right. the the one that takes place over just one year. And then it's breaks down yeah, yeah so i believe i believe the season one is one year and then season two is divided up into several years a reverse how i met your mother last season situation <laughs> yeah so i mean it's Scary. gonna be a lot of content it's gonna be interesting like us breaking it down on this episode or you know on this podcast whenever that drops on september 21st but i'm excited i i'm curious if this is a WandaVision maybe situation or like a situation where they want you to get to episode three or the end of episode three to get hooked. Um, Mm -hmm. Previously, uh, Obi-Wan, they did episodes one and two. And then it meant that next week we got Vader. So that was like, you know, there was that cliffhanger at the end of episode two, Anakin, right? And maybe that we get that kind of moment at the end of episode three to draw us in and guarantee we come back. Um, you know, the next week. Yeah. And I think that um, this is going to feel like a movie, like you said, but I think what this does and it happened with WandaVision, like you mentioned, it allows for filler quote unquote filler episodes to um, be a little more acceptable because the, the reality of a filler episode. And for those who can't see, obviously I'm doing air quotes, but um, the, <laughs> the object of a filler episode is to have exploration is to catch you up with the information on the plot. Um, maybe the reason they call it filler is because sometimes that's not the most interesting episode to watch, but when you do three and one, it allows for that middle episode to really do a lot of that work. And then we don't have to wait a whole week. You mentioned WandaVision. You look at the back half of episode one and the first half of episode two, it's a lot of just catching you up with the vibe of what's going on. Obviously, they didn't give any information away because that's what WandaVision is. It's a mystery show. Yeah. But that middle part, I think if it was one episode, would be considered a filler. I think releasing them back to back the way they did allowed for a great intro and a great Mm -hmm. cliffhanger between those two. And I think it's a great way to set off a season on Disney+. Plus. I do appreciate when they do that now yeah. david let's actually talk about this thing we got a trailer to break down <laughs> i'm very excited to do it your overall thoughts on the first full trailer for andor man was this trailer full right i mean this was a packed trailer i i will i will say i loved the first trailer for andor this one was nothing different i i loved it i think the production value for this is so it just shows right and they did not use the volume for this and that's a big conversation to have now they did not use the volume technology from the mandalorian which has now been used over and over by thor it's been used by the batman which i thought used it very very well uh it's been used by obi-wan kenobi book of boba fett blah 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 mixed results so far in my opinion especially since mandalorian and andor no it's it's practical quote unquote, right? It's not it's not the volume. They're more sets. They built a lot more sets for this. And it looks phenomenal. I think this 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 show is going to be a lot of fun, in my opinion. It may not be when I say fun, it may not be like haha, like jokes all the time. But for a Star Wars fan, and me personally, loves Rogue One, thinks it's on tier one, the S tier of Star Wars movies and Star Wars content. Rogue One is the best thing Disney has ever produced 
under Lucasfilm or, or with Lucasfilm. And this is a direct, I would say, you know, prequel to that, which is already yeah. a prequel to A New Hope. Um, Cassian <laughs> Andor, uh, obviously Diego Luna back in the role. I think he looks great. And I think this is going mm-hmm. to be such a another stepping stone, another piece of the puzzle of in between episodes three revenge of the sith and episode four new hope that i always welcome in star wars especially when done right like obi-wan kenobi i love when we get to kind of fill in those gaps and make those connections and this will just be another one especially because the series in general is going to take place over many years it's going to be really cool to see by the start of this show to the beginning of a new hope because in a new hope the rebellion is an established thing there is a rebellion, right? There, there are rebels. That's not a thing earlier on when the Empire takes over. This show to me is right. that. I almost am watching. I don't know if you have the same feelings, Matt. But when I watch these trailers, I'm like, why are they calling it Andor? It almost seems bigger than that, which is great, right? It almost seems bigger than just Andor. It's like the rise of the rebellion, which I think is like the the name of that that, that uh Disney World ride. But anyway, uh, so maybe that's taken. But it's it feels like more of a Rise of the Rebellion, less of an Andor show, which I makes me more excited for it. Mm-hmm. It's I, I told you my favorite line in all of the Obi-Wan series when um he asked O'Shea Jackson, you know, thanks for doing what you're doing. And he says, hey, I'm just getting started. I get chills every time I say it, David. I swear to God. Yeah. Um, This is the blind spot of live action Star Wars, the actual quote unquote Star Wars after order 66 we've seen the rise of the empire in the prequels um we saw um the rebels take down the empire in both rogue one and the originals when you look at a new hope that's really like the final mission for the rebels is you know that they want that's how they do star wars canon right before yavin and after yavin correct so that's really like the final mission for the quote-unquote rebellion at the time they want that's it And Rogue One gave us a little bit of how they got to that mission, which I think is just so cool. Mm. Now we're actually going to get to see the Rebellion in their prime, in their form. Vader says to Leia, you're a part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Why does that piss him off so much? Why is he so worried about Leia being a Rebel? Let's find out what they've done to establish that. And um, there's something, um, I just watched Dune. I just watched Dune for the first time. Uh, Dennis Vell and Weave or whatever. Um, awesome, <laughs> awesome movie. Um, and something I was impressed by is the same thing that impresses me every time I watch uh, original Star Wars movie: the scale. Everything is so damn big. Oh my mm-hmm. god! The doors, the stairs, the ships, the yeah. buildings, the columns—everything is just bigger than you can imagine. And that's the kind of vibe I get from this trailer. And when you add the epicness of that scale that is from the original trilogy with the inventiveness and epicness of the rebellion uh, beginnings kind of vibe, we've gotten sprinkled throughout Star Wars lately. We saw it in Solo. We saw it in Rogue One. We saw it in, um, uh, well, what were we just talking about? Uh, Obi-Wan, sorry. Mm -hmm. We saw it in Obi-Wan. I think that this is all the pieces to be limitlessly cool <laughs> you know what i mean just like yeah. good is still in question i guess you know i'm i, I feel pretty good about it no doubt this is going to be unbelievably cool which is a very cool thing david what was your favorite thing from the uh obi-wan tra- from the andor trailer sorry oh i just like seeing the senate um the, oh, or yeah. the senate room whatever you want to call it which is i, I mean 
it was the Galactic Senate and then it becomes the Galactic Empire. So that's kind of like the but but then again, Bail Organa is still on the quote unquote Senate, you know, in Obi-Wan mm-hmm. Kenobi. He's kind of working both, you know, working both angles. So it isn't that was cool to see. I, I like that's one of those things as a Star Wars fan. I want to see more of those connections, just like we saw in Obi-Wan to the prequels and the sequels, making these worlds, making those stories really start to bleed and meld together where it does become more of a comprehensive. This is all one story. And it is, you know, we're we're smart people that are fans of Star Wars. We get it. You know, it's like, but it's filling in those 19 years. It's filling. We understand the jump to the 19, but filling those in is so much fun. And that's a part of it. You know, seeing kind of stuff from the prequels in more original years context is always fun to see. I couldn't agree more. And um, I think that that is something that they just continuously are are really like leaning toward a little bit. They feel like they're embracing it here, which is super exciting. Um, my favorite thing from the trailer is just the Mission Impossible vibe. Like there is a mm, yeah. tr- tried and true, you know, us versus the government, secret spies versus the big, you know, big ships and the herds of stormtroopers and the the fat cats of it all um (laughs) star wars has a cheat code when it comes to making new things you take a popular movie or show put it in a star wars universe and it's just easy easy content you know what i'm saying it's it's you don't have to reinvent the wheel just put a star wars logo on it and it's going to give you an opportunity to make something very very cool so i just i appreciate that this does feel like i was kind of hoping obi-wan was going to have hints of more spy stuff i i enjoy Getting into the spy stuff. Uh, last thing about Andor, real quick. What is your biggest question about the plot after this full trailer? We are, you know, month and a half away. Interesting. I guess my biggest question is: we know where Cassian, because this is this is called Andor. We know where Cassian is at the beginning of Rogue One. He's a bit of a badass, you know. He shoots that guy, and it's like, oh man, like this guy. He, he draws it in the dark side a little bit, you know. <laughs> he's a, he's oh, like the ancient, like the ancient one all along. She's been drawn from he the dark dimension. He doesn't get a choice. He's got to do something. Exactly. And I wonder if we get. I think my biggest plot question is how much we get to know Cassian in this story. Like right. that's what I'm curious about. I think we do. That's why I think I'm curious is because it's not really played up too much in the trailers, but I want to see you know, how he gets to this point, how he becomes the, where he has a show titled for him, right? This is the show that's going to tell us that. So I'm curious how that gets um, put in the show. My thing is a line from the trailer. I don't know if it was, um, what's the black guy's name? Uh, The one that can't breathe in Rogue One. Oh, um, he's in a, he's in Fallen Order. Saguera. Yeah. Um, uh, He's, he, or it's either him or Skarsgård says that he needs a team of heroes or something like that. I think we're getting a team, and I love that. I love that we get to know a Rebel (laughs) team. I think O'Shea Jackson's a huge contender to pop up here in a very big way. Mm. Um, Mm. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Leia comes back. But um, we get a lot of stars. Yeah, we get a lot of scars guard in this trailer. Obviously, Diego Luna is just an incredibly good-looking man playing a very disgruntled emo rebel. And I'm excited about that. <laughs> but um, Skarsgård seems like he's going to have a huge role, which is always good things. What is the team around them? How much are we going to get to know of them? Something I'm very interested in, something I'm very excited 
about ladies and gentlemen that has been your news from a galaxy far far away let's move over to the red brand spider-man wasn't attacking the city he was trying to save it that's slander it is not i resent that slander is spoken in print it's libel marvel has confirmed that the upcoming disney plus series uh secret invasion i wrote secret wars secret invasion (laughs) will be the first disney plus series to be labeled a crossover event crossover Mm. event the first disney plus series from marvel to be labeled this way it's a very distinct um labeling compared to other ones being limited series or season one things like that this is a crossover event on disney plus david seeing that title for secret invasion does that change the approach of how you take uh how you're going into the show are you going to have a different expectation knowing that it's labeled a crossover event yeah i um that's interesting. I wonder what that truly means, because in my like perception, it's like, OK, right. We have Samuel Jackson. We've got the scrolls like there's going to be this is a big story to tell in a Disney Plus show. So I already kind of assumed it was going to be somewhat of a quote unquote event crossover. That is what interests me. Like, where where is the crossover? That's my question. And I almost am dubious of like if they really mean what they're saying, because what what's this crossover you're talking about? Like what is there really a crossover or is it just Captain Marvel 1.5, right? Before we get to the Marvels. So I don't know. Um, I'm curious. It makes me a little more curious as to what that quote unquote crossover means. If it really means more like I'm saying, or if it just means it's this, you know, it's this huge MCU, you know, it'll have a big major effects in the entire MCU of an event. Um, But like, who do we see? I don't know. Like, are they, are they really not? Are they really? Is this going to be where we get a bunch of cameos? I don't know. I'm, I'm curious now. It, may, it definitely has risen my curiosity. It's an interesting question, and I'm excited to see how they play the crossover. We'll talk more about cameos leading up to Secret Invasion. It's going to be the topic of conversation going into the uh, series is who's going to show up and where. Um, I think right now this feels like Loki felt once it was over. I don't think while Loki was happening, we realized how much of a. Um, pivotal information dump it was going to be but Mm -hmm. that that final episode puts the whole series in context in a way where that is an event loki season one is an event for the mcu because it's introduced this new concept that the entire saga has now been named after you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so um that's that's kind of what this feels like now i think the scrolls are going to be the earth level threat for um, at least phase five, if not further on. So um, I'm looking for crossover event to mean that it's going to set up a uh, situation that's going to spread across multiple projects, which is very exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Moving on. The man in the hat, man in charge, CCO of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, has confirmed that the upcoming Fantastic Four movie will not be an origin film. He believes that they've made... Three of these movies is one of the most famous IPs in all of Marvel Comics. They are going to approach it the same way they've approached Spider-Man in that the origin will be implied, but um, maybe won't be explicitly shown. Um, David, for you, do you think this is the right move for the Fantastic Four in the MCU? I do think it's the right move. They've had two now movies of a Fantastic Four origin story over at 20th Century Fox. Um, and the second one, the, you know, not the sequel to the first one, but the second reboot or the, the first reboot, I guess, um, 2015's <laughs> Fan Four Stick was one, a really bad movie because it falls off a cliff. And secondly, made no money 
So I, I think the uh, whole origin <laughs> part of this is something that I think in my head, they already kind of ruled out. I was, I would have been surprised if they had said, this is going to be an, an origin story. If I'm being completely honest, that would have surprised me. Um, so yeah, in, in general, I'm not surprised. I'm happy about it. And I think this possibly leads to more um, evidence that it is John, John Krasinski because they introduce him, right? They, he pops up in the MCU. Why, why in my head, it's like, why would they do that? And then have another actor pop up as him as he's, when he's already him, right? We're not seeing the origin. He's already him again. And it's some other guy that doesn't seem like a Kevin Feige move. So that makes me think even stronger that it is John Krasinski. Completely agree. And that is, you know, kind of my biggest takeaway from this. I think this puts Krasinski at the top of the list. This, this really makes Krasinski the obvious choice. I think for Reed Richards, it's the same thing. Um, I had the same thoughts going into multiverse madness. Why would you introduce Professor X and Reed Richards um, with different actors only to switch them later. Doesn't that kind of deflate their proper entrance long-term into the MCU? It's the same reason I don't think Maria Hill is going to end up being a scroll because we've already seen Maria Hill transform into a scroll. If they do that again, if there's this big reveal of Colby Smulders transforming into a scroll, how is anyone going to know that that's a negative thing? Because the first time we saw it, it was a positive. So those are the types of details I'm always looking for um, when it comes to decisions they're going to make. And lack of origin story here, I think, amplifies that as well. Um, other characters in the MCU that have never gotten a true origin story. And by that, I mean, you, we did not see them not have their powers and then get their powers or not go through their thing and then go through their thing. Thor, Hawkeye, Spider-Man, and Black Panther. We did not see any of them become any of those characters. They were Thor, Hawkeye, Spider-Man, and Black Panther when we met them. Those are some of the most beloved characters in the MCU. So no worry over here. I do think that this um, increases the chances we see these characters before their first appearance in yeah. fantastic four. I think that's a big take call as well. Yep. Um, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I'm going to scrap the last Marvel segment so we can get right into the blue brand stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, crime wave in Gotham. Other breaking news, water wet. It has been confirmed by Jason Momoa himself over on the Instagrams that Ben Affleck will appear. And Aquaman 2 as Bruce Wayne. David, Affleck's coming back for Aquaman 2. He's going to be in the Flash. Ben Affleck cannot leave the DCEU. What, are your, your, what is your initial reaction to Batfleck appearing in Aquaman 2? yippee Kaye. I don't know. Like, <laughs> do you want a pat on the back? I don't understand. Like, I guess I understand. Okay, like, cool Bat Batfleck's in it. Um... Like the earlier segment talking about DC in general, it's just like, what are we doing? You know, like when we talk about leading from one thing to the next and how it's a generating system, like Ben Affleck's not going to have a solo Batman movie. And there's no Justice League movie with Ben Affleck that's going to happen. I mean, the Flash movie is going to clearly shake things up. But even that seems in jeopardy to me, if I'm being quite honest. Um, after everything going on at WB, like we just talked about and the Batgirl news and rumors and stuff like what's going on, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, and I think this came out because someone spotted him like, like, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but there was like a, 
tourist group going through like the Warner Bros like lot and they just like saw Jason Momoa and Ben Affleck and then Jason Momoa just like posts about it because it's like well cats out of the bag like it was just gonna like, he's gonna pop up in the movie I expect absolutely nothing from this appearance and those are all of my thoughts on this yeah I I, I share the same thing I I grew up with Dwayne Johnson you know he's he's a big part of my childhood as a former WWE fan we all we all know who the rock is right so when we see him in these movies we like we're all very excited I will say something to Dwayne Johnson. I don't believe you when you say Black Adam will begin the new era of the DCEU because he says that we talked about the executives at Warner Brothers Discovery. They're all saying things about the new era of DC movies and this this new uh, focus moving forward. And, uh, you know, we're going to focus on the future, not so much on the past. Yet they keep putting old characters in these movies. There's still crossovers. It's still happening. This was a chance. And, uh, you know, we talked about this on the show months ago. Aquaman 2 um, is a chance to stay underwater, stay away from land, and separate Aquaman from the happenings of the DCEU. You don't have to reference anything. You're underwater. Bringing Affleck here just reminds people that Aquaman is a part of those two Justice movies, Justice League movies, one of which is hated, the other which I hate. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Like, like this. I think what this does is just remind people that Aquaman is a part of the old regime roster that is very suspect to be cut at any time. We'll talk more about it as it comes along. But yeah. that has been your news from the universes you love. We have a lot of questions from the fans that we love. We're going to hop over to them now on the mailbag. A good question for another time. We have had a flurry of questions coming in from the universes you love, and uh, we thank everybody for bringing those questions in, and we are going to answer a lot of them right here, right now, with San Diego Comic-Con and prepping for San Diego Comic-Con. We're a little bit behind on quick questions, so we're going to answer all of them from Apple Podcast and Twitter over these past few days. Just a reminder, if you want to get your question right here on the show, either at the top of the show in a quick question segment or in a mailbag, Please uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and drop your question or DM me and David on Twitter at Matt Rimke, R-O-E-M-B as a boy K-E, and at David Thompson with two A's over on the Twitters. And this first question comes from Abid um, on Apple Podcasts. Um, Abid says, Matt and David, this podcast is my new favorite thing. Just finished taking in all the SDCC news. Question. Where do you see each of our Phase 4 characters appearing next in Phase 5? Some seem obvious, but others, I'm just not sure. Thank you for keeping things interesting. Well, thank you, Mm. Abid. That's a very sweet note and a great question to answer. Um, David, there's there's an interesting thing about Phase 5 that's never been done in the MCU. There is no movie from Phase 4 receiving a sequel mm-hmm. in phase five that's never happened um in the history of mcu phases granted there's only been three but this is the first time a direct sequel will not be in a phase right um, from the previous phase crossovers are a big part of the reasoning for that they're embedded into the dna uh movies like ragnarok and winter soldier um have really just made that common stance and that's why we're maybe not getting as many sequels back to back so which characters from phase four do you anticipate popping up in phase five, given that none of them other than 
Sam Wilson's Captain America and Loki have a project to their name. Well, we do have also Kamala Khan uh, for the Marvels. That's the Marvels. One. Absolutely. Um, yep. That's another so that's easy like, one. yeah, that's an easy, like I'm trying to, I was trying to cross off my head. Like who are the easy ones? You just laid out a couple. I would say Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel is another one. Shang-Chi is the big one to me. Um, Shang-Chi is like, where does Simu Liu pop up next? If I had a guess, call me crazy. Does he pop up at, at the post credits of Black Panther or something? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Same <Because> take. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I've been written down right here. That's awesome. That, I thought I was going to shock the world with that. That is awesome <laughs> because I could totally see it happening. I feel like yeah. Shang-Chi, <laughs> the director of Shang-Chi is, is directing the Kang Dynasty. Like Simu Liu is going to be one of the marquee people in the Avengers. Like Shang-Chi, the character himself, is going to be one of the leaders of this group. And I could see him appearing very soon. Like I could see him being the connective tissue into in a lot of different ways. Obviously, his post-credit scene was very significant. Um, having some Avengers there talking about whatever it was with the rings, we still don't fully understand yet. Um, I think like just for this one little question that to me, he's my most anticipated. It'll be interesting too to see what the Eternals pop up in maybe a, a Guardians post credit scene or something. You see Harry Styles. I, I don't know. Um, but in general, yeah. Similarly, you, you had it too. Black Panther 2. Let's see. Yeah, I, I, I just think that, you know, whoever ends up being Black Panther, my pick is Shuri, um, you know, at the end of this movie is going to be a superhero a very public superhero given what kind of stance in the world i think shang chi is going to be looking uh you know to be a recruiting tool for the new avengers whoever they might be and i think that would be very cool it's a long shot it's definitely an underdog but um definitely something i'm willing to sprinkle a little money on i had eternal uh, eternals popping up in guardians 2 strictly because three other than the marvels which has more earth touch tones than any other galactic project in uh, the the multiverse saga, the Marvels is the, the last cosmic project announced. After the Marvels, there isn't any space-based projects other than maybe Fantastic Four, but if it's not an origin, we can't be certain that they're going to be in space. So um, right. I would say Eternals popping up in Guardians, uh, post-credits scene with Harry Styles, like you said, would be pretty awesome. Um some other characters that have some pop-up potential. Obviously, Yelena and John Walker um, should be um, front-facing members of the Thunderbolts. Moon Knight and Blade, um, a connection can be made there pretty easily. Um, it's, it's interesting with the way Moon Knight ended, how they're going to show him again uh, without following up on that cliffhanger first. So maybe look for a Moon Knight Season 2 to sneak into a slate. Um, Kate yeah. Bishop. Mm. feels like daredevil right that's a good guess you got the fist connection hell's kitchen very new york brown stuff um i just there there is a bridge to get there or just echo i i you know echo yeah no i take back daredevil it's gotta be echo yeah i feel like kate bishop has to show up in direct connection um and personal friends you know they, they know each other yeah I like that. And Ironic. I think everyone's going to show up at New World Order. That's I think the thing, it's too. Be I was thinking about Captain America. Like, that could be a big... Is that Civil War, right? Not Civil War, but is it, you know, is it where we have a bunch of players in it? And I could see where that's how they market the movie because it's not a... And I hate to say it, 
it's not a Chris Evans, Steve Rogers, Captain America movie. You know, it's Anthony Mackie, Sam Wilson, Captain America movie. I don't know if they if they're thinking about that and they want to, you know, even after the reception of Falcon, the Winter Soldier. Um, I'm not sure exactly how well it did and, and you know, the, the mixed reviews, but I could see them want to be another crossover event. You see, you mentioned that it's not a Steve Evans, Captain America movie. I would argue two of the three Captain America movies are two of the biggest crossover movies of the Infinity Saga. Obviously, Civil War is Avengers 2.5. Yeah. You know, we all know that and we accept that and all that. Winter Soldier features four to five other Avengers in it. You know what I mean? Two of them were Avengers at the time. So um, I think that I think it would be just in lockstep for the fourth Captain America movie to be Avengers focused. And I think that's kind of what makes Captain America great, right? He We get to tell the story of this person. Now it's Sam Wilson, not Steve Rogers, through the lens of the Avengers. And, you know, him using the Avengers, that's what Chris, that's what uh, led Steve Rogers to fall off with Tony Stark. He used the Avengers as a way to assert his uh, justice, uh, or what's all Tron call it? Uh, uh, self-righteousness and all that yeah. stuff. Seeing Sam Wilson wanting to be in charge of the most predominant force in the world would make sense knowing he is just like Steve Rogers. He has been through shit to make him not trust the powers that be over and over and over again. Maybe he wants to run his own team. I think yeah. that leads to Thunderbolts. little sneaky uh, theory I'm working on a little bit here. What if the Ten Rings doesn't get a Disney Plus show? What if they're just in the Thunderbolts, the Ten Rings? You know, you bring in Xyling. She's a member of the Thunderbolts. And one of the biggest reasons uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus brings her on is because she has this army and these resources behind her. I think that could be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that theory. Moving on. Next question from just one, not just one, just one. You know what I'm saying? Um, Over on Apple Podcast, uh, left a five-star review. Says at the end of Quantumania, what do you guys think Scott's fate will be? Scott Lang, that is, does he die, serve as a person who warns the other Avengers about Kang, or defeat this variant of Kang only to realize there are infinite amount of Kangs left to conquer? David, where do you think we land with Scott Lang at the end of Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Yeah, it's an interesting question because a big thing with this movie to me going in that I'm a little confused about, but I have a kind of a theory on, which is very close to just one here, is it's like, okay, Kang is like the big bad of an Avengers movie. And Ant-Man's just going to skip away after defeating him in Ant-Man 3? I don't think so. Um, I do believe Ant-Man will live because Ant-Man's only been in really a major part in, what, one Avengers movie? Um endgame if i'm not mistaken so yeah yeah. and i think he has a a future with the avengers and because kang is a you know a version of kang is in his movie this is an introduction to properly kang we had um what do they call kang in in loki again um he who remains remains. we had he who remains and now we're going to get actually kang quote actually you know whatever that means I could see a version of this theory where he defeats this Kang and maybe this Kang is the overconfident Kang. Oh, you're an Avenger. Have I killed you before? Right? Like, uh, and, and then it, maybe it's one of those things where, uh Oh, I beat this Kang, but there's so much more out there. 
Um, so I don't know. I will say to answer the question kind of plainly, I do not think Scott Lang dies in this movie. I think that he is a future in Avengers five or yeah, Avengers five and six. I think that um, that last theory that you just detailed and that just one detailed of, you know, maybe they find a way to beat this Kang. And uh, much like in a uh, Mandalorian season two, you beat one of these, what are they called? The big black robot troopers at the end of that death troopers. Oh, yeah, Death Troopers are like, those are like the, the, yeah, let's go Death Troopers. You know, you beat one of them and then you realize the volume behind them is going to overcome you. Maybe it's something like that where they spend the whole movie giving everything they got to beat a Kang only to realize that there's so many more left. And that is the the tragedy of the movie. Um, I think that is probably the safest bet. Uh, I would say maybe even the most likely bet. I'm not going to rule out a Scott Lang death, though, because I think that. One, it could elevate the movie in, in a crazy way if you have an important death like that. Um, but, you know, I don't think Scott is going to run to um, whoever is, you know, in charge with the Avengers. He he is still technically an Avenger. He's part of the team. I don't think he's going to call Carol Danvers and warn him about Kang because we've already seen him do that in game. He was the guy who came to the Avengers and warned them about uh time travel and you know like hey we can do this we can get back at it so we've mm-hmm. already kind of seen him play that role i think a scott lang death here could be a big impact and a vault for the wasp i'm looking at hope van dyme to come out of this one as the leader of this franchise we got to remember this isn't just the ant-man franchise anymore the second title to the movie was ant-man and the wasp mm-hmm. not ant-man colon the wasp it was ant-man and the wasp so I think that the Wasp in comics, one of the most important Avengers characters of all time. I think they uh, they could use a Scott Lang death to elevate Hope Van Dyne into the upper echelon. I don't want to see Scott die. Don't get me wrong. But um, for Cassie and Hope right. to really get a big, impactful movie here, it might be the case. Uh, moving on to a question from Twitter um, from Laurel Biddy. She sent me a DM with a theory from Blockbusted Pod. Shout out to the Blockbusted Pod. Basically, the theory, David, is that Wong has appeared in five phase four projects so far, if you include what if. Yeah. And he's probably going to keep showing up and shit. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Are they setting up Wong to be the Phil Coulson of these new Avengers and the connective tissue that brings everybody together? I love this theory. Um, I think this is a phenomenal theory. Like, thank you for writing this in, because I think this is such a great idea. Him dying would be so impactful now for fans because we've seen him in so many places, just like Phil Coulson, um, where we saw him in, you know, Iron Man and Thor and obviously the Avengers. Um, But we you know, there was a lead up there. And I would love to see the same thing here with Wong, where there is so much lead up. I mean, I mean. Just just with No Way Home, Shang-Chi, and then Doctor Strange 2 in recent memory, like, and now we're gonna get him in She-Hulk. Like, he's really the connective tissue right now, or one of the most connective tissue parts of the MCU. And I think a death from Wong would be maybe Colson level impactful. So I love this theory. Um, and I'm all in. I think it's a great idea. I think so too, and I think that it could be really fun. He does have that line in She-Hulk, our universe is at a paradox, or whatever he says. He mentions the universe in She-Hulk. So he is telling, you know, earthbound Avengers about the crazy events of multiverse of madness. I Wong knows something's up with Doctor Strange, I think. And I think that um Wong is going to be a very nerve-wracking role. 
um, in all of his appearances from what he knows. Um, it's interesting to me, though, because the death of Wong, this it, it kind of not the death of Wong, Wong being the one that brings everybody together. It makes me kind of think that Avengers Kang Dynasty is going to be more of an Avengers movie like 2012 and Age of Ultron and less like Infinity War. Infinity War, you have Doctor Strange, the Guardians, all these other branches, um, you know, Black Panther, all these other branches of superheroes joining the Avengers for the first time. I think Avengers Kang Dynasty could play more as a new Avengers movie where we showcase the new team because think about it, David, you can't really have an impactful Wong moment like a death and Stephen Strange isn't there. I yeah. don't see a situation where Doctor Strange comes back before his next movie. You know, really? he's off in the dark dimension. Well, he's off in the dark dimension with Charlie Theron. How how could he possibly connect with another hero on our current slate? Um, and you know, not talk about what's happening with Charlie Theron. And if that's the case, um, you know, uh, our universe has experienced an incursion. That's Secret Wars. Incursion is Secret Wars. Universe is bumping together. Um, so I personally believe that Doctor Strange doesn't show up um, again until Doctor Strange 3, which means wow. Wong's climax moment probably doesn't happen until then. Makes me think that Kang Dynasty might be more of an Avengers movie and less of an Infinity War style MCU crossover movie. Mm. Maybe, maybe. Um, I would say I, 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 we'll see. You know, I, I don't know if I initially agreed that we were not going to see Stephen Strange until his third movie. I would say we probably do see him somehow in King Dynasty. Um, they can somehow shoehorn in an explanation. I would say if if they, I, I think Benedict Cumberbatch. I can't imagine him not being on the the poster for, for the next Avengers movie because he is one of those established. They need those established characters. I, in my opinion, yeah. for this next Avengers movie, but Hey, we'll see. Cause it makes sense. I think story plot line wise, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I just would be surprised they did it. Honestly. It's just for me, like the, the post credit scene of multiverse of madness. Um, and that movie's got a lot of messy issues, but the post credit scene of multiverse of madness is so him and Charlie's Theron. Uh, what's her name? Clea, Clea, Clea. I think I just nailed that. Um, jumping into the dark dimension, going on their next adventure. The word incursion comes up. I just think it's to me, it's so clearly reads, we're gonna go start the secret wars storyline. We're gonna go start that process, get that ball rolling. I just don't see a situation where Doctor Strange has a side quest before going back into the guy. And and I know this is stupid. We saw him jump into the portal. You know, he would have to start that journey, come back, do whatever cameo he's doing, and then jump back in. If he's in Kang Dynasty, I put him as a post-credit scene candidate um, to show, you know, hey, we beat Kang, but, you know, we got bigger problems. Yeah. You know, we got Secret Wars. True. Yeah, Doctor Doom. Um, last question coming in from Jacob Nagel, our boy, K-Master, over there. Um, uh, he sent us this one on Twitter. He's usually dropping on an Apple podcast. Um, basically he's asking, uh, does Disney have a titling problem? Yeah. Multiverse of madness. Uh, the title being multiverse of madness hurt the reception of the movie a little bit because the, um, multiverse usage in this movie was much more honed in, much more grounded, not very mad. Um, so to speak, 
Um, I personally have said that the biggest problem of Book of Boba Fett is the title Book of Boba Fett because it features two of the best Star Wars Disney Plus episodes we've ever gotten. A, in my opinion, pretty solid three-episode arc for Boba Fett in the whole you know Native American aspect of it. And a finale that brings it all together. But because Boba Fett wasn't in two episodes, it tends to dominate the conversation. David, do you think mm. that there's an issue with titling of the universes you love? You mentioned it earlier with Andor. Yeah, that's that's true. I did mention it earlier with Andor. Um, I feel like in general, titles, just taking a step back here, it's all for marketing. Who cares? And be to be serious, like who cares what the title is? Who cares that Spider-Man No Way Home? is titled Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> you know, like the title can mean something, but I even like the old school way, like Guardians. Guardians 1, 2, and 3, man. Just keeping it simple. Volume, right? Hey, that matters, brother. You know, these are albums. Okay. This is art. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it, it's cool, right? But when I go walk up to, I mean, when I walk up, when you walk up to a movie theater, right, you're not going to be like, hey, can I get one ticket to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, please? I mean, one ticket to Ant-Man. Right, and they be all right. Yeah, I've been calling it Quantum Mania or Quantum Mania, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But in casual talk, when you go to the movie theater, it's like, hey, can can I get a movie to Top Gun Maverick, please? No, Top Gun. You know, Top Gun. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that's how we talk, but that's not how we market things. So, Multiverse of Madness, great for marketing. A hundred and eighty-seven dollars, a million dollars worth opening weekend, great for marketing, right? Because it's. Oh my gosh, madness. anyone <laughs> could show up. Madness, right? Kang Dynasty, that sounds really cool. Um, stuff like that, like Infinity War Endgame, all awesome. But I do think there may be a, I think Multiverse of Madness that Jacob here lays out is an example of expectations for titles. I don't think Quantumania, who knows? Maybe that. Maybe we should be expecting a small story in that, which I think is probably appropriate. You know, we don't know. We know Kang's a big part, but it could be a pretty small story where it's not mania necessarily. It's just Ant-Man's next step. So, yeah, I agree. I just think I should advise listeners right now, take titles with a grain of salt. It, it, it is for marketing. It is t- They're supposed to sound cool. They're supposed to sound awesome. New World Order, right? You know, that's a great, um you know subtitle and uh, and and others sometimes they're perfectly appropriate even i mean i'll i would say captain america winter soldier eh that that's kind of mistitled in my opinion <laughs> i mean it's about the winter really? soldier but like so is civil war y- you know yeah. i mean it, it's it's yeah, like a good point you know like it, it it's not it doesn't define the movie it's just what we what we call it so that's how i would approach these things I, see, I don't know. I'm on the other side. I think it holds a lot of weight simply because of Multiverse of Madness and Book of Boba Fett's reception. People were upset that the multiverse wasn't so mad, and people were upset that Boba Fett wasn't in two of those episodes. Think about the Book of Boba Fett, how it was three episodes of Boba, two episodes of Mando. What if there was an episode of Cad Bane and they just called it Bounty Hunters? Right. You know, like I think that I think people would have been so more open to the idea of two Mandalorian episodes in the middle because you think about it, this is the only thing people talk about looking at Book of Boba Fett. The only thing is that there were two Mandalorian episodes in the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Multiverse of Madness, it's not the only thing people talk about. There's plenty of other things people talk about Multiverse of Madness, but I don't think that title hurt the reception as much. But I, I, I like the idea of the title 
playing a role into the overall narrative. I've always been a fan of that. If you're going to have a creative title, I think t- weave it in with the story. Oh, personally. I mean, That's how I would do it. Yeah, no, I, I think titles can be great. Like my point is just like this should be Boca Boba Multiverse of Madness should be kind of a warning sign in a way, right? Like don't you don't yeah. always have to. I think sure. they should, but I think they should improve. Like they're great titles. Multiverse of Madness is an awesome title, but Kick I don't ass. necessarily mean it. Like like you said, people got irked about it. Like it's one of those things where they're going to side with what sounds better sometimes than what is necessarily what the movie is. You know, everything everywhere all at once. What a long weird title. But when you watch the movie, how perfect it is for that film, you know, um, and, and there's a lot of others like that that are creative with comic book movies. They want they want to throw in stuff that's from the comics where it's not necessarily that exact same run. And fans over the years have had to learn that where it's like not going to be the exact same story, but a variation of it. They could have called it Wanda in the house of, you know, they could have called it House of Wanda. Wanda Vision is a Wanda. great title right. perfect yeah the perfect title love and thunder another perfect title when you get to the end of that movie and the title card hits whoa like love and thunder i get it now like we should do a know. titles it's, draft it's, it's, it's a mixed bag 100%. last last place 100%. falcon and the winter soldier what a terrible title <laughs> in my That's opinion not great it's you know, you know what the biggest issue with the falcon and the winter soldier for bloggers wow typing that was annoying for oh such my a long gosh time. it was so annoying the that worst you type and, and I will say Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings still to this day annoying to type out. But um, it, when we were doing Falcon Winter Soldier coverage, every article I wrote about the show, I would make sure I spelled it out in the first paragraph. And from then on, it was copy Falcon paste. Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Not, not even copy paste. I just called it Falcon Winter Soldier. I think it reads better. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it does. It, but like you said, it's shorthand. And ladies and gentlemen, that has been your questions the universes you love please uh continue to send those in we really love doing them the more we get the more often we'll do these big mailbag segments where we answer them all at once i think those are really fun but the return of the quick question will be soon with she hawk around the corner and speaking of things around the corner david phase six a lot of holes to fill in and see how we can fill them Ladies and gentlemen, Phase 6 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been announced with three of the 11 projects filled in with titles. The Fantastic Four will kick off the phase, and uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty will be May 2nd, 2025, and the phase will end with Avengers Secret Wars, two projects after the Kang Dynasty. That leaves eight slots open for phase six there are eight slots two in the fall two in the winter two in the spring and two in the summer between 2024 and 2025 me and david are going to work together to fill out this list for what we believe the phase six slate will look like obviously um there will be projects announced uh probably in a couple weeks at uh d23 that will more clearly fill these holes but for right now we're going to do our best to uh, predict the slate with the information we have in front of us working between Fantastic Four and Kang Dynasty and Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. We're each going to pick one project for each season slot. Um, David, I do just want to read out the list of like confirmed projects or uh, confirmed or heavily rumored projects that are on the board. It's not meaning that we have to pick all of these, but Deadpool 3 in pre-production, Armor Wars announced in 2019, um, Shang-Chi 2 in production, Spider-Man 4 
more likely than not because Hollywood likes money. And the final yeah. scene, the final uh, post credit scene of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings says the Ten Rings will return. I did mention that might just be a Thunderbolts role, which is what I think they should do with that IP. David, we're going to start off with you. The first fall slot, given the looks at phase five and four, it's pretty half and half between Disney Plus projects and movies. That's so uh, just for the audience out there, me and David are challenging ourselves a little bit here. <laughs> We're each going to be given the uh, responsibility to pick two Disney Plus uh, shows and pick two movies um, overall within this yeah. list to fill out our eight slots. So, sorry, that first fall slot, who we who we filling in there after Fantastic Four? To me, this this has to be Armor Wars, right? At least that, that's what I'm penciling in here. Um, it seems like it was the one. It was like the one thing that was missing from San Diego Comic Con. We might have an update at D23, just like a lot of this. We might have an update at D23. Who knows? Um, but Don Cheadle's appearing in Secret Invasion. He was in Falcon the Winter Soldier. Uh, Riri Williams is in Black Panther. She's going to be in Ironheart. Um, obviously like armor wars, I think is still happening and they, they confirmed that, uh, I think it was the writer for armor wars, I believe said like, yeah, it's still happening. Just didn't talk about it. And we knew that and we all freaked out, but we knew that going into San Diego comic-con, they weren't going to discuss every little thing. And what it seems like is armor wars is not in phase five. Cool. Fine. It's, which is kind of surprising if you think about what the story is going to be, because it's I don't know, by phase six, like kind of past the man in the metal. Um, but we'll, we'll see who knows. <sighs> So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we, now we got Ironheart. So who knows? Um, but that'd be where I, I that seems appropriate fall, maybe like September, October. We get that thing going um, with Don Cheadle back as War Machine. Uh, just a little quick note. I had Armor Wars there as well. Um, in the original Secret Wars run in 1986, a 12 issue, the first ever crossover event series for Marvel. Um, the man in the Iron Man suit was not Tony Stark. He um, had retired from Iron Man. It was Colonel James Rhodes. So um, comic book accuracy there could be cool. Um, for the second fall slot, I'm going to pick a movie. I'm going with Shang-Chi 2. I think that Phase 6, much like Phase 3, will um, kind of take the expanded universe they've built in Phase 4 and 5 and start steering everybody toward the same direction. I think Shang-Chi will be a Phase of the MCU moving forward. He's in the promotional art at the top of the Marvel page of Disney plus. And as a marketing guy, as a social media guy, the name, look at the faces you see in that promotional art. It's Sam Wilson. It's Wanda. It's Loki. It's captain uh, Marvel. It's Shuri. And it's Shang-Chi. I think Shuri and Shang-Chi being in that promo art means something in a very big way. So I think they want to get Shang-Chi back in theaters as soon as possible. So by the time Kang dynasty comes around, He's an established Avenger and a uh, I if, if I had to guess, he's going to kind of be the heart of the team. You know, he's going to be the the Steve Rogers esque character, mm. maybe not the leader, but kind of the heart that everybody wants to win um, mm. throughout. So Shang-Chi 2 is going to fill out my fall 2024 slot. My first movie off the board. David, you have a series off the board who you got coming in winter 2024. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. One thing I want to make note of is. As it stands, if our joint collection here is gonna is gonna actually be what happens, which I'm sure you know, book this, bookmark this. Yeah, this this is it, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to check in on the MCU. 
phase six this this is it okay this is we can skip comic-con in 2023 yeah this is it d23 (laughs) comic-con next year you're already getting the inside scoop (laughs) from these brilliant brains um so for this to work (laughs) fantastic four opens november 8th that year shang chi would make sense for shang chi 2 to open in september of that year so that adds up that that's lining up earlier in the year we're gonna have movie film we're movie wise um may is Captain America, July, Thunderbolts. Then Shang-Chi in September, according to what we're saying right now, confirmed Fantastic Four on November 8th, Armor War somewhere in there on Disney+. Plus. My winter 20... Oh, it's 2024. This one gets a little bit dicey, I want to say, but I'm going for it. Spider-Man 4, whatever it is, um, this is going to be an interesting time uh, because in 2024, if I'm not mistaken, there's going to be a, an, an Avatar 3 movie coming out uh, in like the Christmas slot. So, Whatever. <laughs> right. I mean, that's where it gets dicey. That's where it'd be interesting, the coordination between Sony and Disney, like because Sony kind of gets what they want when it comes to where Spider-Man comes out. Um, right. It could come out earlier than what we're talking about with Phase 6. It could come out in like I wrote an article, just go check it out, direct.com, um, all about where Spider-Man 4 could release. And I put a bunch of like theories. One Very of them, well done. Thank you. One of them's in July or, or June. And there's a lot of shifting that would have to be that would have to happen. But let's say it just perfectly fits. <laughs> this would be quite the lineup of movies, but winter 2024, uh, maybe like the first week of December, give it a couple of weeks to breathe until Avatar, which would be such a crazy concept. I can't imagine it really happening, but for the sake of Spider-Man 4 being produced and released by Sony slash Disney, it needs to come out. You know, this would this would winter 2024 would be three years after No Way Home. And that's that's an extended amount of time for Spider-Man films these days. So that's what I'm sticking to right now. Um, like we said earlier, this is it, guys. This is you can just you can just book it right here. So, uh, Matt, Love you're going to fill us in a little bit more uh, coming out winter 2024, 2025. Where are we? So real quick on Spider-Man 4, um, go check out David's article. It's really great. Um, I also just released an article on the direct.com um, highlighting the 10 uh, projects in the MCU that will build the story toward Kang Dynasty. I mm. did not have Spider-Man 4 on that list. I have a question for you as a Spider-Man fan. Sure. As a Spider-Man No Way Home fan specifically. Um, did you like No Way Home? A little. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the best endings to any movie ever. Um, comic book movie specifically, I guess. And I, I just love the idea of this new Peter Parker starting a new life where he gets to start all these new journeys with new Marvel characters. Do we want Spider-Man in these Avengers movies or at least Kang Dynasty? I know Secret Wars, like, you know, anything's possible, but like, do we want Spider-Man running into the Avengers that he's already met and fought with before so soon after No Way Home? This is hilarious you asked this, Matt, because I've been dying to have a time to talk about this. In my opinion, yes. Absolutely, yes. I think we should get fan or Spider-Man 4 before Avengers. In my opinion, for this movie to be what they want it to be, Marvel and Sony are maybe working on this right as we right now as we speak a multi-year multi-project deal with Tom Holland Spider-Man appearing in three more Sony produced for the most part um, solo films 
and Avengers movies. I think the Avengers need a Spider-Man to like be at the top of like the rankings for the Avengers for Kang Dynasty and whatever else. That's just my opinion. I I, I mean, obviously, I love Spider-Man. I want to see him in everything. But I think to your point, Matt, I understand. I, I love the ending of No Way Home. It's perfect. It's an origin story at the same time as it's the, the end chapter of what was the Homecoming trilogy. It's it's beautifully made. And it's No Way Home is literally one of my favorite movies of all time. And I knew that walking out of the theater the first time seeing it. I think if you get a, a Spider-Man 4 first, right? If we get Spider-Man 4 years after No Way Home came out, we do that movie, whatever that consists of. Then I think it'll for you what you're like getting at. I think it will feel more natural to then dive into the Avengers, right? Or to to for him to join the Avengers or even maybe lead the Avengers. You know, I know there's this whole coordination with Sony and Disney, but I think Spider-Man, if I'm Disney, because like you mentioned earlier, not to, you know, I, I don't know. When you mentioned the Shang-Chi and there's Sam Wilson and there's Shuri and on like the, you know, the, the promotional art, it's like, dude, that that's to me. As a longtime MCU fan, that doesn't hit the same as Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Chris Evans as Captain America, Hemsworth as Thor, standing there in the promotion art, even like, um, uh, even like Black Widow and Hawkeye. You know, that's where my perspective is, and I think we need, you know, the iconic Spider-Man to also be in these Avengers movies in order for them to arguably live up to like the expectations of what Avengers movies are. But that's just what I think. Yeah. This, this seems like something we need to talk about in further length in a future episode. I just feel like, you know, the mm. reason we feel like Downey as Iron Man and uh, Evans as Captain America, like they feel right is because they were in all three Avengers movies. And if they're doing a new Avengers team, I think having new Avengers is the key. But even then is Spider-Man going to run, is he going to come across Dr. Strange again? Like, is he going to come across Sam Wilson or Carol Danvers? Hi, Peter Parker. Like that's, that's, it's going to be something that needs to be addressed. Would you, I, we're not going to talk about this more. It's turning into a Spider-Man segment, but like I would be hyper uncomfortable if Carol Danvers was like, Hey, who are you? And, and there was like a joke about how uh, Peter Parker had everybody forget who he was. One of the more emotional moments of phase four I, I just I just don't know if I want him thrown back into the world that they so elegantly took him out of. I think I would rather him sit out phases five and six and then bring him back with mutants, bring him back with the Fantastic Four, bring him back with these new characters that he's never interacted with before so we don't have to dance around the the no way homeness of it all. Something that I want to talk about with you very soon, but for right now, uh, winter 2025, Moon Knight Season 2. Not a mm. lot to talk about here. This is one of those things, much like Doctor Strange 3. I don't know how they bring Moon Knight back without resolving the cliffhanger first, if that makes sense. Like, if they bring Moon Knight back, is it Jake Lockley right away? That could be a little jarring, confusing. So I think Moon Knight Season 2 gets an earlier slot here in Phase 6 so we can start bringing him into the fold in a bigger way. Yeah, I like that. Um, Interesting. I would... I'm interested what this new, I guess, kind of 
what the idea is for Moon Knight going forward. Like you said, right. a, a season two, I think, lends itself very well to like the story. But is that really what they're going to do? Right. Is he does he appear in Blade? And um, I agree, like with the idea that it might be confusing because of the whole Jake Lockley thing. But I can also see where they they just do it. You know, sometimes the MCU doesn't like I feel like try to spell everything out for people. You know, they just kind of do. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, totally. And and I, I would love if Jake Lockley showed up in Blade. You know, I would love right. if Jake Lockley oh. specifically showed up in Blade with a new suit, with a black suit, oh, um, gosh. with a white cape. Dude, black suit, white cape. I need it so bad. But um, I, I just I, I want to avoid the uh, hypothetical I have in my head. There are going to be people who watch Mandalorian that didn't watch Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> right. And they ended season two of Mandalorian yeah. where Grogu goes away and they'll start season three and he's back like nothing ever happened. Yep. So I think trying to avoid those instances as much as they can will be the move. But I would like if Jake Lockley showed up. Spring 2025, you have a series and movie. So we're working in lockstep right here. What do we have coming in series 2025? Two projects away from the Kang Dynasty. Yeah, this is where. So we got Shang-Chi 2 directed by who? Destin Daniel Creighton. And then we're going to get Wonder Man, the series on Disney Plus in spring 2025 um, before Kang Dynasty. I feel like this is kind of a a not like officially official confirmed series, but something that we kind of know is happening um, that he is working on specifically unless something changes, you know, news comes out all the time. But in the report, in the initial report that he was um going to be directing secret or sorry king dynasty wonder man and shang chi 2 were mentioned so i am confident that they are still going to be happening as of right now and this would make sense uh, sort of he's gonna be a very busy guy um like he's going to be a very very busy guy and i can see where he then passes the baton uh to who whoever else for secret wars but yeah wonder man that's all i really got i don't even know much about the character but that's just my prediction of whatever that series is going to be when it's going to be so I was reading up in preparation for this and Wonder Man is being rumored to be like a satire on Hollywood. That's kind of what Wonder oh. Man is. He's like an actor stuntman. So like, I think it's going to play like a She-Hulk satire show, um, which is why I kept it off my list because two episodes before Kang Dynasty in my head, I want everything to be serious and scary and intimidating. Right. Um, but um, if I, I feel like Wonder Man would be a great addition to this new Avengers roster, you know, you want the poster to look good. Wonder Man looks good on that poster. Not obviously he's not Iron Man, but Iron Man wasn't Iron Man before 08 either. This is Lord. We got some good discourses in the future. I think, Man, coming off we, of this. we put a pin um, in it, but the Spider-Man uh, conversation needs to be fleshed out further. I, I can't wait for that. I would love to do that. Um, let's do it next <laughs> week. Screw it. Um, let's bring somebody on to do it next week. Screw Beautiful. Um, um, Eternals, Eternals, I think, comes in at this spring 2025 slot. I think we do need one more project with this group, whatever that looks like. Um, before Kang Dynasty, I think they're going to play a big role. I think they should play a big role. Um, I, I, The Eternals movie, say what you want about it. I do love the characters that they introduced. I A lot of people the biggest flaw of Eternals was I wish I got more of those characters. That is pure bait for a sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what if it was a series? What if it was an eternal series on Disney plus we're getting daredevil. Born that would again. be interesting. We're getting, we're getting secret invasion as a crossover event. 
I think Disney Plus might be evolved enough by 2024 to make an Eternal series to flesh out MCU Cosmic. We mentioned it earlier, David. We do not have a single Cosmic project on our board so far. And Kang Dynasty, so far, has been introduced nothing but cosmically with the TVA. Um, yeah. So um, I think Eternals um, 2, rather it be a movie or a series, I'm going to say series because I think that'd be fun um, just to get both groups, you know, the ones being held up by Arisham and the ones on their space travels with Eros. I think it could be an interesting thing. Also, another thing about that is with Secret Wars, I I haven't read the new one yet because I've heard that it was 222 books that you have to read over on Comic Book Herald. Whoa. Um, but in the original 80s run of Secret Wars, there's a group of heroes that all come together, the X-Men, Spider-Man, Avengers, Iron Man, etc. But also a group of villains that come together on the other side. There's your Galactus, your Doctor Doom, your Magneto, etc. I think developing Eros as a bad guy by the time Secret Wars comes out could be a big advantage um, for everybody. And then we get Avengers Kang Dynasty. No idea what that's going to entail as far as who all is in it. But we assume that it's a huge crossover where at least whoever the new Avengers team is, is present um, and battling the Kang Dynasty. After Kang Dynasty, David, who do we have filling in the summer 2025 slot? Yeah, you kind of alluded to it earlier um, when talking about Doctor Strange 3, um, you know, being about incursions and incursions lead to secret war. So this seems like that July 2025 slot. I, this I am honestly most confident about. I, this seems 100%. like this seems right. Um, A yep. Doctor Strange three in between Avengers movies being that connective tissue. Um, And then in reality, Doctor Strange, this the franchise being a huge moneymaker ultimately for the MCU because Doctor Strange two is at like 950 million dollars right now which will probably it'll probably stay around there just less than a billion um dr strange one did well as did well also but dr strange three in between avengers movies is gonna kill (laughs) um if Mm -hmm. that's like what is you know setting up you know the aftermath and then setting up secret wars man that's gonna kill and i am very confident about a july 2025 dr strange three movie i couldn't agree more it's the most locked in thing i had on this list was Doctor Strange just after Kang Dynasty, um, much like Far From Home was an epilogue to Endgame. And, you know, so many questions coming out of Endgame. You know, who's where? Who's all dead? What does the world know? What do they not? Far From Home answered all of the public questions, just like in WandaVision, the whiteboard scene. You know, one of the best yeah. social media moments of all time for the MCU is when they were writing all the questions that we all had on the whiteboard, you know, like like that was like, Oh, they're, they're they're doing what we're doing. Um, I think Dr. Strange three could, the first half could be that. And the second half could follow up on multiverse of madness and lead right into secret wars. I think it's the perfect slot for that. We're going to be coming off our first Avengers movie in six years. We're going to be coming off Kang dynasty, assumingly um, the fall of the Kang dynasty in Avengers King Dynasty, given the Secret Wars coming out right afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And then Doctor Strange 3 setting up Secret Wars. It's going to be confusing, David. A lot of pieces on the board, a lot of concepts flying around. It's going to be difficult to explain to someone who hasn't seen everything exactly what's going on. If only, if only we had one of the most lovable, successful, and engaging comic book characters of the past decade to be able to look at us right in the face 
break the fourth wall and tell us exactly what is going on with classic Ryan Reynolds humor. I think Deadpool 3 is right before Avengers Secret War. Think about all of the MCU recap videos we watched before Avengers Endgame just to get a grasp understanding of what to know going into Endgame. Deadpool 3 has the cheat code of having the character look directly at the audience and not only reference what's going on in the universe, but reference what's going on in fandom around the universe. Like, Mm. oh man, we couldn't afford one of those other guys? With all these crossovers, it's really confusing. You look at Deadpool 2, he is talking about the confusion of the X-Men universe and doing it well, and it's funny and engaging. It also clears some things up. I think Deadpool 3 is the perfect palate cleanser to get everyone ready for Secret Wars and blatantly explain exactly what's happening through the use of the fourth wall. And the the trick is going to be for Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds, can you also wrap that in an engaging story? Um, I, I have faith that they'll do so because um, Deadpool 1 is very, very good. And Deadpool 2 is probably one of the most fun comic book movies um, we've gotten over the past um, decade or so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Deadpool 3 is, oddly enough, a perfect fit to open up Secret Wars and just simply explain to the audience exactly what to expect moving in. It could it could be a core of a commercial for Secret Wars, um, which uh, probably is going to be a three-hour movie. Yeah. Um, wow. That is a very interesting pick. I would predict based on kind of like the tea leaves that Deadpool three, we get earlier than that. Um, like maybe I think the rumor is February, 2024. Um, yeah, right. Phase five, like kind of the empty slot in phase five. And I, I would say I'd more agree with that, but whoa, can you imagine if the MCU is suddenly Avengers, Dr. Strange three, Deadpool three and Avengers. I mean, I've already Those predicted four way... billion dollar titles like legit. Yeah. And I've, I've already predicted that Avengers four or uh, what are we even on now? Avengers. That'd be Avengers six. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Secret Wars. Um, Avengers Secret Great Wars. Bill. I already way too early predicted on Twitter that that's going to move back to that coveted December spot, um, right. which is what I think. And honestly, if it doesn't move it, that. So if Secret Wars came out in November back to spider-man because i always do this if secret wars came does come out in november then you could see maybe like you said post um phase five and six we get a spider-man four in back in december three years later you know that that's another option here it's i will be honest you know it is funny in phase six we're talking about all these different dates i could see where so many of this moves and changes you know Completely different be- because we're so trained for it now after covid where everything just shifts and delays it's we're just numb to it at this point like i could see where you know maybe some of these dates don't even exist on like the timeline or maybe there isn't that that many pro like there's eight project missing we just went through maybe it's not actually eight because this is a year of content this is 11 projects in one year um and that's a a lot on disney plus but yes you're right yeah, but still, you know, like that, that's an right. unbelievable amount of content. And I don't see that. I'll say it right now. I do not see that that working out where it is truly fall 2024 through technically fall slash winter, I guess, 2025, the end of the year in 2025, being all of phase six and 11 projects. 
I am on record today saying I do not believe that will actually happen. I could see I could see a world where Secret Wars comes out in May 2026. I if I if it was pre San Diego Comic Con, that's where I would have predicted it being placed if I already sure. knew the Kang Dynasty. Um, where I think many people would have six a five month <laughs> turnaround is still a crazy concept. I'm not sure they're actually going to do. For sure. And and there also could be a situation where more of these are Disney Plus shows than not as well, which, you know, just makes the releasing of these movies a little more um, uh, easier to digest. Um, I agree that I think uh, things are going to get pushed back just to have them breathe a little bit. But I do think the order is still here and I think it still plays. I know I said we weren't going to talk about it anymore, but like I know sacrificing not having Spider-Man in Avengers Kang Dynasty um, would be tough. Having a Spider-Man in Secret Wars, I think, could play. Miles Morales in Secret Wars makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But, man, wouldn't Spider-Man 4 be the perfect opening to Phase 7 where we're talking about Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and mutants becoming the new face of the MCU? Like you talked about Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. That's the big three of the Infinity Saga. You're absolutely correct. The big three of the multiverse saga. I'm not sure who it is. I think it's Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, and um, Shang-Chi, personally. But I think the new era of Phase 7 and on could actually be Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and X-Men. And think about the poetry there. Those are the three IPs that started this whole thing, man. Those are the three biggest Marvel IPs of all time. Take out the movies. Those are the three that matter. Those are the three that Marvel Studios sold away. Yeah. They didn't have any money for them to all start phase seven. Could be really cool. But um, our list as of now, David, lock it in, right? Lock it in. Over under nine and a half wins. Over. Over. Lock it in. November 8th, 2024, Fantastic Four. Fall 2024, Armor Wars. Fall 2024, Shang-Chi 2. Winter 2024, Spider-Man 4 and Moon Knight Season 2. Spring 2025, Wonder Man and Eternals. Probably um, Wonder Man series. I think Eternal series on Disney+. Plus. Kang Dynasty, May 2025. Summer 2025 is Doctor Strange 3 and Deadpool 3. Leading right into Avengers Secret Wars. Phase 6 could be an absolute fucking banger. David. Out of all of these projects, take out the ones that have already been announced. Which one are you most excited about? Besides Spider-Man 4. Okay, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, good joke. Uh, that was a good one. But um, no, taking out taking out Fantastic Four, the Avengers, and Spider-Man. Who oh my you, what project are you most excited about? It's between three of them. <laughs> um Deadpool 3, I'd have to say. Deadpool 3, I think, like putting dropping that character r-rated that character in the mcu is gonna be a a a true delight like it is going to be something we've never seen before and it's going to murder at the box office in my opinion like if they actually do a deadpool 3 proper where it is (laughs) r-rated and they plop him in the mcu like that is just printing money and disney i think understands that and why they're gonna give it kind of like the the hall pass to to do Mm r-rated because everyone is gonna want to go see this movie like i think it's gonna be amazing especially if it comes out in this timeline we just laid out so yeah i'd say deadpool 3 out of these choices i'm with you i think doctor strange 3 um you know we both talked about it it's so 
perfect to fit in between Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars because it can touch on what happened and it can set up what happens next. Like Multiverse of Madness, we're going to look back at it as the first movie of the Kang Dynasty building and the Secret Wars building because it it's, explains incursions in a really awesome way in a really cool visual style. And uh, to see more of the incursion stuff that we saw in Multiverse Madness and Doctor Strange 3 leading into Secret Wars, it's going to make, you know, Toby and Andrew coming back, uh, Hugh Jackman coming back, uh, wow. you know, Chris Evans as Johnny Storm again. Those are all things I don't want to happen, but it's going to make them a little easier to digest for me in Secret Wars. Um, <laughs> and honestly, David, the biggest X factor in all of this is when does the first X-Men pop up? Because if, if an X-Men project is announced for phase six, it's going to take over whatever. And it, there's nothing on this list more important than the first MCU X-Men project. And um, I think that could really take over if it ends up happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of going on the assumption that that rumor report kind of is true that we're not going to get it. We're all kind of yeah, we're all kind of in this assumption now that's like, ooh, OK, like the next saga is like the mutant saga. Mutant like, saga. We're already it's 2022 and we're I think we're already waiting for like almost like that <laughs> announcement in some ways because like we're like that makes sense. That's cool. Like that yeah. that'll work. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I would say the same thing. Like nothing would be more impactful than a, the mutants like movie that would come out like for the future of the MCU. So we'll see. But I think this is a pretty good list. I mean, like I joked earlier. It's it's exactly it. I don't know if it will be exactly it, but I think these projects could be what fills in phase six maybe not the right locations maybe we could be wrong i mean there's some other sequels that could pop in here that we could that could surprise us or brand new you know miss marvel season two um stuff like that so we'll see 10 rings yep that's phase six we'll see you next time we talk about the red brand next week with our she hulk primer we're in the end game now ladies and gentlemen that was all of your top news that was david explains that was a mailbag that was your phase six slate predictions and that was an episode episode 104 of the direct podcast one last reminder next week will be our she hawk primer so if you have any questions um heading into she hawk make sure to let us know and we will also be doing some sort of cgi related feature um as far as the outro segment here weekly recommendations I don't really have one, but David, I do have um, a decision that I made today. I made a very big decision in my life. The Colts are going to win the AFC South. Yeah, they sure are. They they sure are, Matt. I have decided that anything less than that will be a disappointment for me officially. That sounds stupid. Mm. Of course, Mm. you want your team to win the division. But I look at our defense. I look at our offense with Matt Ryan not making fourth quarter mistakes, something that he doesn't do very often. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't see any reason that we're not going to go over nine and a half wins. And I I'm thinking 12, um, with the six easiest schedule. I love our team. The only thing I'm not confident in is a third weapon for, um, Matt Ryan to throw the ball to behind Michael Pittman and the combination of tight ends that we have just big body tight ends and Matt Ryan. That just makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your thoughts on my, um, I'm ready to get my heart broken. You know, I'm I'm buying yeah. in on this Colts team in a very real way. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Like the Matt Ryan joining, I think we've made a lot of great moves. Stephon Gilmore, like All I Famer. Yeah. Unique Ngakwe. I think he was a All great pro. trade. 
I think the third option could be Naheem Hines in the slot. Um, you agree. know, double, putting Taylor and Naheem out there um, at the same time. I saw a stat today where their like efficiency rating when they were both out there was great. And like how many yards they gained on a play was fantastic. I am right there with you at the Colts. I think they're definitely going to win the division. Um, I'm where I would be disappointed if they didn't. I would almost I'm as far as I'd be disappointed if it didn't. Even if Foles has to go in there. Like, yeah. I think this team is built for Matt Ryan or theoretically God forbid Nick Foles having to go in because run. We, we can run the ball. We have a rhythm offense that Foles knows very well that Matt Ryan's going to run to perfection. Our defense is solid. Barring crazy injuries. I think it's all lined up for us. I think we're in a nice rhythm. Training camp seems to be going great. Like you said, easy schedule, easy division. Um, and, and Tennessee's gotten worse. I think it's the other part of this. Like we'll yeah. see. I think Mike Rabel is an excellent, excellent coach in Tennessee. I think the Titans are going to be the second best team in the division and fight. It's going to be a fight. Wild my, card team. Yeah, yeah, probably a wild card team. Um, but they they trade away AJ Brown, which was kind of inexplicable to me because he was one of the best players and someone as a Colts fan I feared every time we played them. It's like, oh god, AJ Brown's down there somewhere. Oh, it's the red zone. Uh oh, like it seemed unstoppable either handing it to Henry or throwing it to AJ Brown. So I'm glad one of those options is gone. Um, I feel great about the Colts this season, man. I cannot wait. We're so close. We're, we're less than six weeks away from Colts football. I'm, I'm going to be there in less than seven weeks in Jacksonville, watching them play. God, it is Matt Ryan has really shifted how I'm looking at the Colts right now. And I just, it's a win now team, which is so exciting, especially in this AFC. Cause the AFC playoffs coming up in this next year could be, um, historic like every team could we could see be good or great which is something you yeah. don't often see especially with seven teams making it in so we'll see we're riding high we're two colts fans way to get ready to get our hearts broken once again but uh it's august baby it's august yeah yeah for anyone's listening still probably i can't imagine how many people turn this off <laughs> as soon as i brought up the colts and started saying <laughs> words like we but um yep uh, you know, back in the day, back in the RCA Dome, back in the house that Peyton built, um, yeah. early days of Lucas Oil, right before kickoff, they used to play Let's Go by Trick Daddy. And um, it's, uh, it let's go, if you want it, you can get it, let me know. Like, it's an old hip-hop song from back in the days, but that is an anthem in Indianapolis that nobody knows about. You know, if you're a kid who went to those old RCA Dome games, you hear Let's Go by Trick Daddy, you start getting hype. It's blue football. I'm going to play that on Thursday. We got the Hall of Fame game. It's football yeah, season. My right. mind has completely shifted. The chemicals in my brain are different than they were yesterday because it's football week. And yep. so just everybody be prepared <laughs> for a little football talk as we move forward. We're still a month or so away from the regular season, but uh, very excited. And we're also excited for everything coming up in the universes you love. She-Hulk primer next week. We'll see you then.